Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Supertop podcast. I'm Oshin, recording from Dublin. And I'm Podrick, recording from Vancouver. So we just released Castro 2.4. Yeah. That's nice to have that out. Castro 2.4 has enhanced audio. That is the headline feature. And then there's a few couple of other little nice things but the main thing is enhanced audio which is really our version of the voice boost feature from overcast there's no point trying to paper over that i don't think <laughs> yeah it's kind of a funny feeling to work on on a on a pro on a feature when you know that it's like basically a catch-up feature good to have it in there though and nice to have some code shipped that's like core audio yeah oh that's cool that is a good skill to have yeah there's a couple of other small changes like the this kind of came out of, I think, even just the UI decisions that had to be made for, like, to get a toggle on there for enhanced audio. And we realized that a, a design idea was where we could have two toggles side by side. And so the other one was that we could get a continuous play toggle onto the expanded player control screen. Because some people had been writing to us and saying that they actually turn continuous play on and off a few times a day based on where they are or what they're listening to. And it was kind of awkward to do that before because you'd have to go into settings and then into another screen and then and then do it from there so we have it right there on the expanded player control screen now so that's cool yeah i never considered turning it off but then now that we have that button there i use it because if yeah my friend mentioned that uh, when he's on his bike he likes continuous play on because obviously he doesn't have to stop and start the next episode but the rest of the time like if you're just listening to an episode it's kind of sometimes it's nice if it just finishes especially if you're going to sleep or something like that yeah, so we've had this ongoing bug with CarPlay for, well, as long as we've had a CarPlay app where there was some sequence um, that you know better than I do, Ashin, uh, where if you launch, like start your car and launch the uh, launch the iPhone app, you can end up with just a black screen on CarPlay rather than being able to use it. We filed a radar with Apple and we've been trying to get it fixed for months, but we haven't been able to. So what we did figure out works is if we if we stop using the tabbed interface and just have like a single list then that bug doesn't happen anymore so so we've gone back to that yeah and so there was like some design decisions around that just in terms of initially we thought okay we just if you don't have the tabs you can just go back to the like the older style ios 9 uh, style of carplay interface where like you just it's you always drill down but we kind of figured that like the queue is really like the most important thing. We did want to have access to the inbox for cases where you didn't have stuff in your queue, but it's secondary really to the queue. So we came up with a hierarchy that's basically still all just one screen. Um, your queued episodes are at the top and underneath that you'll have your inbox episodes. But obviously that means then if you actually don't have anything in your queue right now, you're just straight into your inbox. Depending on the setup, that might be more what you actually want. Anyway, the main thing is it's actually usable now in that, in that situation where you start up your devices in a particular order. Yeah, it was a weird bug. I remember spending ages in a, in a friend of ours car, only figuring out the steps to reproduce the bug, but not being able to work around it. But at least we, we have a workaround now too. I So I have a WWDC ticket and I'll, I'll go and find the CarPlay team and see if I can chase it up a bit and maybe bring the tabs back someday. But because there's so little to implementing CarPlay, you don't design the UI, you just like answer questions that it asks you. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to tell, looking at our code, what could possibly be different. Because it doesn't happen to every app, so it's really hard to know what exactly is going on. Yeah, it might be a good occasion at WWDC to even sit down with them and like with our code base even and show it to them and be like, hey, what do you think there's something we could be doing here? Yeah, totally. Um, we also have a tiny update on Red coming. 1.6.2. It's such a glamorous number. Yeah, it's crazy. That app has been out since 2000. 13 i think in some version 
Jared released it in 13 and then our version came out in 14. Yeah, that's right. And it's still one point something. So I don't know what that says. <laughs> well, we have an update. <laughs> yeah, we have an update now. It's small, basically, yeah, to a bug fix. Yeah, the main pressure, the main reason it's out there is at the moment you can't sign in with Feedly if you use Google Authentication. So we had to fix that. And at the same time, we got a few other small fixes in too, but it's not a... As denoted by its tiny version number increment, it is not a giant update. But yeah, so we thought we'd maybe spend this episode talking about how we decide what to focus on um, and maybe the future of our other apps that aren't Castro. Yeah, I mean, because I think it's fair to say, like, Castro has been our main focus of attention for a while. I mean, we took over on Red in 2014 and we did, did some updates then to, like, mostly to switch it to its new revenue structure. But we haven't f- spent a huge amount of time like adding new features or stuff like that. It's kind of been a bit of maintenance mode. Mode. So it's probably a good time to kind of think about that. And like, we're two people, so it's not like we have like a ton of resources. Like our time is probably our most <laughs> valuable resource. So we got to be pretty careful with what we do with it. Part of the appeal of buying on Red was definitely like, okay, here's another revenue stream, and we know that eventually we need to get to a point where we have a bunch of different apps that are all making a certain amount of money and collectively they can add up to be a salary for you and me. But we also had this vision that there'd be some kind of shared basis between OnRed and Castro 2. We were planning that there'd be a lot of overlap between the two. And throughout the design of Castro 2, it became clear that that wasn't really going to work out. Yeah, so we started off with that idea that they would be there would be like a focus or like a, a grand plan there. And when that didn't work out, it's been, yeah, we've been kind of wondering where to go with Unread next. When we started Castro 2 Project, it was like literally a fork of Unread, right? Yeah, we copied in most of all of the Unread UI stuff. Yeah, and we thought, oh, yeah, the app is, this is the way that we're, like Castro 2 is going to be basically Unread turned into a podcast app or a podcast app in the style of Unread. And I think I imagined that like we would end up where we'd had had these two products, each of them based around syndicating content, but different types of content, but that there would be like a real stylistic unity between them, a lot of shared code between them. Um, when as we were uh, potentially even like a shared server, like that they're both based off the ser- same server infrastructure. And in a way, we would have divided attention in that scenario because we would have a podcast app and, and an RSS reader to pay attention to. Uh, but because there would be so much shared between them, that would mean that as we're developing one, the other one also gets to take advantage of that. And like as a small team, if you are going to have like be shifting your attention between a number of products, it just it seems sensible to me to like try to do that in a way where it's not that you always have to just be only one at a time that like when you're improving one that that can also like have a knock on effect and be producing code and resources that are able to be used in the other one or the other ones as well. Yeah, and that's kind of what we tried to do with Top Hat, which was one of our Mac apps. We built tokens years ago and then I think in 2015, maybe, we made Top Hat, which used a lot of the same code base, but had just had its own UI. There was kind of some logic there where it's like, okay, here's another way to use the same knowledge that we've built up in communicating with iTunes Connect to make another kind of app. I mean, that plan was there, but Top Hat never released. I, I don't think it's made more than $1,000 in its life. Yeah, I think it was probably pretty clear to us even from the first week that, I mean, at least we didn't spend a huge amount of time working on it, but... Yeah, we spent a week working on it, so... It was pretty clear pretty quick that we had uh, miscalculated 
I mean, it seemed like such a perfect opportunity because, yeah, we could reuse a lot of the same code. It has a lot of the same, clearly the same target audience as it because it's all, you need to have an iTunes Connect account. So it's all, both of them are developer tools. In our heads, it made a lot of sense, but on uh, <laughs> on paper in the end and in the accounting books, it did not. But I think that's interesting in terms of like, that's like two stories that we have told ourselves, like stories that we've told ourselves. I don't even, that sounds like kind of dismissive or like as if we're just, like I think a story that you tell yourself or that you're telling to the world is like a really important way to frame the work that you're doing and like to help you focus and decide what you should be paying attention to. So there's like two stories there of like who who are Supertop, what do, like what's this company called Supertop, what do they do? And one of them was where we imagined us as iOS content app producers, essentially, like where we're like Unread and Castro, we're going to be together under this umbrella of the best way to consume media on your iOS device. And then the other story was this um, iOS developer tools uh, company who made apps for the Mac to help developers. So two quite different stories there, but at least under each of those stories, our products like lay under one or the other of those. Yeah, there was some some rationale for them and some progression or like subsequent products benefited from the roadmap of the previous ones. Now that it's 2017, I wonder, should we try to tidy this up and get back to having some singular focus, a single story about what Supertop is or what it does? Yeah, yeah. Certainly... Top Hat, I think we should, we're probably going to end that product. I'm sorry if we've disappointed <laughs> the user of Top Hat. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's it it's broken at the moment, right? I'm not sure. It, it stopped working a few days ago. It happened every once in a while. Because it's built on like unofficial API to iTunes Connect, Apple can like change that API at any time. And it's usually quick enough to fix it. But I think it breaking this time kind of just said to me, okay, this has been on our mind for a while. Should we take this opportunity of it being broken to be like, okay, it's not, we should not fix this. I, I guess the overall big picture, are we a Mac developer tools company or a podcast company or a content app company? I think we definitely aren't a developer tools company. Like that's never been successful enough for us to, like, I don't want to keep pursuing that. I think that's even kind of what informed us originally deciding to get into uh, iOS and like more general like podcast apps basically instead of developer tool apps in 2013 tokens had gone okay but we knew that it was like such a niche thing and we wanted something that was going to be and we wanted to create an app that people were going to be using much more frequently for entertainment and enjoyment rather than just a work related thing I don't know it kind of fits at conferences I've heard speakers tell us that productivity apps on the Mac are you know that's where indie developers should focus and in a way, tokens was that kind of thing. But then they also say, don't make developer tools. That definitely don't make developer tools that people only need once a year. <laughs> yeah. Tokens made more sense when it came out than it does now. When it came out, there was still some semblance of the idea that paid apps could work out <laughs> in general. iTunes Connect was really awkward to work with. It did take quite a long time to get through and generate promo codes. And it's got a lot better since. Test flight didn't exist. So one of the use cases that came out of tokens was developers who were about to launch an app and had it approved with Apple, but wanted to give journalists a chance to try the app before it launched officially. So tokens was great for that because it could give you a promo code that you could share to a journalist. It was an easy link for them to follow. They didn't have to mess around typing it in somewhere. Um, and then you knew if they'd clicked it, which was kind of a nice, a nice feeling for you, the developer. 
But now test flight makes that way easier. Like you just invite them to test flight and they get the app right away. And sometimes it tells you that they installed it. That was like the reason to go and spend $30 and buy tokens was to make your launch it a little bit easier. And I think even Erica Sadun wrote a book about promoting your iOS app and recommended getting tokens to make it easy for journalists who wanted to write about you. But now I imagine if she was writing that book, she'd probably suggest test flight because it's free and easier and has a lot more extra features Hmm. so even between now and then the argument for tokens has got weaker yeah and the finance i mean and that's shown in like the sales of it as well i mean obviously it's like it was never a giant money earner but i mean it's pocket money now at this stage basically i mean like we sell what a handful of them a month probably i mean it's like and the server fees are actually like not insignificant for it because of how we set it up at the time we could do some work and move that over to a $10 a month line out and it would probably be faster. If the end game is that the app goes away, then it's better to just have it go away, I think. Another thing is Apple has launched promo codes for in-app purchases. Adding that to the tokens UI as it is now would be crazy. Well, the tokens UI is a bit weird, actually, <laughs> in general. <laughs> well, and also we made a promise to ourselves a year or two ago that any we would only do updates to it that did not require change in the UI. Yeah. Because the, even just the hoops that we jumped through to get the, the UI the way that we wanted it at the time, that code base is uh, interesting. Well, that was our first Mac app together, and it was 2011, 2012. Um, the Mac has come a long way since then, so I think... Our code is not as nice as it would be if we made it today. Maybe just a little bit suboptimal. That said, if you want to buy tokens off it. (laughs) (laughs) So pragmatically, it probably does make sense to shut that down as well, like from two points of views. First of all, it's not making us that much money, but maybe that's not a reason enough to shut it down. But I mean, the main thing is like the attention. Like you talked about, oh yeah, you know that you could we could spend a while and like get the server cost down. But I, I don't, and like if we did want to spend a lot of time on it, yeah, we could jump back into the UI and we could add um, in-app purchase promo codes and maybe some other kind of, maybe there's other things that app could do that would be targeted towards like helping people do great app launches. I'm not sure. That's where it's like, like yesterday me and you had a chat where we were like wondering, like, because I'm going on holidays as was my New Year's resolution. So after today, I'm going to be going on holidays for a couple of weeks. And we're trying to like talk through and like figure out what, like we're figuring out like what was the best thing for you to focus on while I was on holidays. And there's so many different ideas in different areas. And it's like, maybe we need to shut down some of those avenues so that it just helps us like know particularly where we should be paying attention at any one time. Okay, Top Hat, we probably should have dropped a long time ago. Maybe before it was released. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably about a week before we started development on it. <laughs> i think that's an easy choice and we're probably not even disappointing more than a, like two or three people if they even use it tokens is a little harder it does make a little bit more money often we can get by without paying much attention to it but i think the biggest thing is the sentimental attachment to it yeah it's how we started. I mean, that's it was just like that. Really, was our first product. We had worked together before on some projects for clients, but our and on like some little like jokey little web projects. But it's the first time that you and I decided, hey, we're going to make an app. It's going to be a product. We're going to charge money for it. It's an experiment, and let's see how it goes. And that experiment was the start of Supertop. So here we are, five years later. And yeah, maybe it is the end of the road for tokens, but it's hard to kind of accept that when it was the, the start of, of of so much that's been important since then. 
Yeah, so in a way, I think that's maybe partially why it's we've kept it around so long. And even Cultured Code launched Things, a new version of Things, which which you should check out. And they tweeted something saying that like, oh, this launch was much easier because of uh, tokens. And then I was like, oh no, I don't want to take it away. <laughs> I, I like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I like when like people who do really great apps mention something we worked on. <laughs> That always feels really good when you see people tweeting about using your products. I mean, it's the same for Castro. Like whenever I see people tweet screenshots about like unrelated things, but there happens to be a Castro icon on their home screen. I always enjoy that. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That happened like two or three times in a row the other day. Yeah, I saw a bunch of them when because James Thompson released the update to PCalc where he has the like the custom home screen icons. So lots of people were sending him screenshots with to show him which icon they had chosen. And yeah, I liked seeing Castro on those home screens as well. <laughs> so how would we go about shutting tokens down? Because our, I mean, we could just turn off the server tomorrow. That would be like the quickest, dirtiest, easiest way to do it. But that seems a bit abrupt. Yeah, a bit harsh. Um, I mean, I think, first of all, I think it would have to be an announcement. And I don't, this isn't actually the announcement, although this is getting pretty close to announcement, I guess. But obviously, we'd have to make a public statement that it was going to shut down. And if, like, say, for Top Hat, for example, I think we can shut that down and just be like, it's gone. Um, We're not selling it anymore. There's no server component, essentially, to Top Hat. So, but because there is like this server component to tokens and because people do use it to like send promo codes out to journalists and stuff like that, Federico Vitici may have emails from people sitting in his inbox right now with promo with tokens uh, to their apps. If, if he clicks on those links and it's just like, oh, sorry, tokens is gone. That's like a horrible experience. So, I mean, I think we would have to at least keep the server going long enough for any promo code that's been generated it has gone out of date essentially so it's like yeah no functionality is going to be lost so i think we would announce it and probably stop selling licenses as soon as we announced it but then like with some sort of grace period yeah that makes sense i think and if someone buys it say in 30 days or 60 days before we announce that it's being shut down we'd probably give them a refund yeah yeah I mean, you could even have, I mean, depending on how long you wanted that grace period to be, like, I mean, it could be, for example, that, okay, we're not selling any more licenses, but if you have it, you're going to be able to generate promo codes for the next X amount of weeks or months, and then, and the server will is going to keep running for until all those promo codes are expired, so. Yeah, that might be a better way to do it. So you can just continue to use it if you just bought it last week, six months or something. So we've taken the hatchet to Top Hat and Token so far. <laughs> so that's so that's one story that's gone. We we would no longer be a software a developer tools company. So then we're back to the story of okay, what's the story on iOS? So there's two stories there I think that we could tell ourselves, and they don't have to be just iOS related. But one of them is the one that we outlined earlier, uh, where maybe Castro and Red continue under an umbrella. Maybe we can do stuff to them to make them to make to bring them together and allow them to flourish together another story i guess is where we stop working on unread is that possible oh definitely yeah so i think we have to answer the question of what happens next with unread i think yeah yeah it's definitely in maintenance mode now and it doesn't make a lot of money so whatever if we just become the podcast company and we do podcast related apps i don't think unread fits in there anymore um, I'm not saying that's what we do for sure. We don't know yet. Yeah, we definitely don't know. Um, what are the what are the options for Unread? I mean, one approach is that we go back to the original plan 
and try to like try to have some kind of synergy between the two products so maybe we add a back-end server that does rss feed scraping Mm -hmm. we'd be in a good position to start a project like that because we have tentacles which already does that for podcast feeds yeah there are significant differences so it's not like we could just start allowing rss feeds that don't have a mp3 attachment and then we're done like there'd be a lot there would be a, a good amount of work then there's the weirdness that like unread is a client for a bunch of other services and now we'd be competing with those services so would we drop them or would we just be one more you can choose we'd have to make a choice about that uh, a nice thing about that approach is you could actually charge subscription once you had it built so there there'd be a real business model there that might you know might arguably work <laughs> so i think that's the full-on we commit to it and we try our best to like push it to meet its full potential that's yeah that's like the maximum effort version i guess the opposite option is that we just try to sell it or we close it down we had an email from somebody who (laughs) we didn't see it for a while but it was an email from some guy who worked for some company that wanted to talk to us about buying unread remember that one that was kind of interesting because it's nice to get an offer to sell it but the way that approach worked there's no way we would ever sell it to them no because it was all I don't, it just sounded like it would. They would turn it into some. There'd be a lot of ads by the looks of things. <laughs> yeah, it was a company that buys up apps that are popular but not actively maintained. I think, and then tries to like make more money. Just out of bleed them. them basically for like the maximum amount of money they can make out of them. They had like a hundred and something apps, which I guess it's all just about ad exposure. Basically, I think so. Yeah. Like given given how Unread ended up in our hands, given like the like the care that Jared put into it and that we promised to give it, I think it would be irresponsible of us to hand it over to somebody who just is interested in in doing that kind of thing. And then, like, is there some middle option between those two things of like get rid of it or double down on it? I mean, there's the option that's kind of closer to what we've already been doing, but like, well, maybe. Yeah, closer to what we've been doing, but like with a little bit more attention placed on Unread, which is that we've always thought it was like very important to have diverse income streams. So, I mean, now we're talking about like maybe you have to have like a big overarching story over everything. But there is a world, I guess, where Castro is our main attention, but we like do spend some time to get Unread a bit better than it is now and have it there as, I guess, I was going to say an insurance plan, but I just mean more like that that there is a buffer zone that like you don't have a hundred percent all your eggs in the in the Castro basket that Unread is there and helping in the background um like boost income and stuff like that. Now it would need some attention to do that. So we would need to go and spend time on it. Like some of the stuff we've talked about, like it's not a universal app at the moment, so that would be important. The price structure at the moment is quite confusing. We'd like to simplify that. So we could do a bundle of those things and then call that version two and release that. And I think that would be, yeah, that would be progress. And certainly having two products means we could have, like maybe we could have two launches a year um, or two like big launches rather than just like we have one product and that's anytime we do something with that, that's the only time that we have a peak in revenue. But can we do that without it? Like, like is there a danger there that by like holding on to that security blanket in a way of wanting to make sure you always have diverse income streams is there a danger there that because you're not 100 the, the the podcast company 
you miss opportunities there in the podcast space, for example, or because there is like a couple of months of the year where you distract your attention to do this other thing. I don't know. It, like, I'd, I'd, I have a certain kind of a fear that like maybe just even that act of keeping your attention on two different things instead of one could be holding back even to, on the podcasting side of things. That if we were, I don't know if brave is the right word, but if we were bold and just said, that's it, we're going to focus 100% on podcasts. Is that maybe the kind of an attitude that's needed for us to really succeed the most, to get the most potential that we can out of out of Castro and podcasting in general? So earlier, we were quite willing to kill Top Hat and pretty much tokens, but I'm definitely not there with Unread. I still... No, me neither. I still feel like we owe, I still feel like we owe Jared our, our promise of giving it a good home. <laughs> in a way, I'd like to get it to a point where it's universal... And it has those other small features and then see how that goes before deciding. And then at least if we wanted to pass it on to someone else, um, it would be a simple, like, here's an up-to-date iOS 10 app that's universal, works on every, like, works on all the current Apple devices. I like the idea of letting myself get excited about Unread again, focusing on Unread, even thinking about, like, other ideas for it in the future, because, like, we have been focused so much on Castro and Unread has been, as you said, in maintenance mode. But even if we give ourselves the time to get Unread to, like, this certain stage that we have outlined here, one thing that could come out of that is that by giving ourselves that time to work on it, that we start realizing, like, other ideas that we have or things that, like, would be exciting for that in the future. So I like the idea of like having that time and let's like seeing where it goes. I listened to the first episode of that uh, independent podcast. Okay. That's uh, Bell Cooper and some of the people who's, whose names I can't think of. The reason I could remember Bell is that uh, the particular part I'm talking about was her speaking, where they're talking about why they want to be independent developers. And she was talking about how she wanted to like have some business or some app out there that's making you work on it and then it's done and then it makes you revenue on an ongoing basis after that and you don't really need to spend too much attention on it and then you're then you can like work on new things or do other things hmm. and it really brought me back now she's she's done that she's had i think has got one business to a point where it pays i think there's a partnership and it pays one of their salaries but what it brought me back to is i remember saying that exact thing about this kind of indie development to friends of mine that like oh yeah, the dream is you spend three or four months and work really hard and build an app and then you just answer a few support emails and you're free to like you take a holiday and then maybe work on a new thing. Um, and it's, I was just struck when I heard that because I, it reminded me of myself, obviously, and then also how far we've gone away from that idea now where we are so focused on just Castro hmm. um, and how it is our full-time job and it feels like even if we take a month or two away to do something else, like it we could like we'd be stepping off the gas and maybe fall behind i've had conversations with some people about like when like say if we just released an update or when castro 2 came out um and i would tell people about it that the app came out and they would think okay so that's it you're done with that now and i'm like oh no like we'll never be done <laughs> we'll never be done it's like we could do we have work we could do on this for years it's a question of whether able to able to have the opportunity to keep doing that work but um, the, the work will never stop yeah there's always there's definitely always more to do and uh, so maybe that's where the idea of like having a good story like to shape that work is good as well because like i talked about oh it'd be great to 
like immerse myself back in on red and start having ideas and maybe get excited about that but there's a danger there as well where if you just keep getting excited about the latest idea that you had um and so then i mean you can just become like you just keep veering down the road because it's like you like you get excited about an idea so you go off in that direction and you get excited about another idea so you go in the opposite um whereas if you have an overall story that confident in and that you're committed to um that should help shape like what you decide to do rather than the new shiny yeah definitely i remember back when we were working on tokens um one of the ios development guidelines that apple had sent out uh, like in one of their documents was that you should have when you're coming up with an app idea um you should have an like and i can't remember what the exact phrase was but something like an app statement yeah basically one or two lines about what what the app is and we spent ages coming up with one for tokens i don't even remember what the hell it is but but i remember that seeming important and then after we had done that it was a lot easier to focus in on what the product actually ended up becoming because at one point we thought like oh yeah this will be an interface to itunes connect and it'll do you'll be able to like do version control on your entire app history because we'll have it all in here yeah we were gonna have like some kind of xml form yeah stuff that apple ended up doing with some of the um transporter stuff where they have like json format that you upload and but i think we were talking about like making this whole like xml format for like the whole of your current uh, itunes connect state and that then you could have that in git anyhow yeah a big distraction a big (laughs) but that was that was one of the brainstorming things that came up and then by the time we came up with that statement that kind of focused us it was very easy to say no to that stuff Just like the time that we told ourselves that we were going to write the press release for Castro 2 before we started working on it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we had in our in our bug tracker, we had this task to because at one point we ha- we read someone gave this advice of like write your press release before you build your app, um, which is kind of sounds great and everything. But uh, the process we followed has always been like that, where we have big, weird ideas like the tokens one I described and then eventually it refines into something that make maybe makes some sense so it, it's kind of like saying oh yeah just start at that point where you already know you've already done all that stuff somehow mm. um, but anyway yeah we had that in our bug tracker for the entire development of Castor 2 and I was like oh yeah 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 shit we better do that and then we wrote it after submitting the final version to the app store <laughs> yeah and it like it wasn't until the last week or two that we really settled on triage being the key selling point as well like it's well, maybe a month or two. Kind of funny how that you can read that kind of advice and totally believe it. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this latest episode 20 of the Super Up Podcast. Yeah, thank you. If you enjoyed the show, uh, find it on iTunes and rate it, please. Leave a review for us. It helps other people find the show. Yeah, and thanks. And enjoy Castro too much for. Yes, and if you don't have it, download it now. Bye-bye.